Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. The Iron Flute, Case 89, Seppo's Wooden Ball. One day, Seppo began a Taisho to the monks gathered at his platform by taking a wooden ball from its stand and rolling it down the floor. Fugai commented, a curved cucumber. Gensha went after the ball, picked it up, and replaced it on its stand. Fugai, a round melon. Nyogen Senzaki's comment. When Engo gave talks on Secho's selected koans and verses, he commented on them and then published them as the Blue Cliff Record. After his death, his disciple Daie gathered the contents together in front of the temple and lit a fire under them. The form that the teacher creates must be destroyed by the disciple in order to keep the teachings from becoming an empty shell. Western philosophers make up their theories and then followers continue to manipulate the outer structure until it no longer resembles the original. Therefore we say, kill the Buddhas and ancestral teachers. Only then can you give them eternal life. Genro's comment. Seppo began, but did not end. Gensha ended, but did not begin. Both are incomplete. Tell me, monks, which way is better? Nyogen Senzaki says, neither of them. Fugai's comment. When water flows in a bamboo forest, its color is green. When the wind blows through the flowers, each breath is fragrant. Genro's verse, hold it or let it go. Fugai, no more, no less. Teacher and disciple contradict each other. Fugai, real congeniality. Zen students of the world, Fugai, a real student never studies. Do not make this koan a model, Fugai, beautiful example. Good afternoon.
I was just wondering why you didn't answer. It's strange to feel we're so connected and so present with each other. And yet, This is the first day of the last month of 2020. What a year. Not since World War II. Have we experienced such wide-ranging devastation on a global basis? The numbers of COVID illnesses and deaths are beyond calculation. We have terrible job losses, homelessness, hunger, environmental crises one after another, and continuing racism and injustice. The list goes on. And it goes on. In one of my talks early in the pandemic, I remember saying, that just as when we enter into raw session, we must abandon any thought of when it will end. And we must face this COVID session the same way. We have no idea when or if it will be over. And what does that even mean? Who will live? Who will die? as Zen practitioners, what we must do is die. Die on the cushion. Rohatsu Seshin is often spoken of as a time of extremity. And it's considered just one day, born of Siddhartha Gautama's great determination to awaken. He sat down under the Bodhi tree and vowed not to get up until he completely realized. Ultimate truth. So even though 
most of us are sitting in our homes using Zoom, having to prepare and clean up after meals and alternating Zazen periods with work obligations these first few days. It's up to us to develop our own great determination, a motivation that is strong and clear. Increasingly, we will experience sitting and working as two aspects of the same one mind. And from the evening of December 4th, we will devote ourselves to full-time session. So this is the time of our extremity and we must meet it fully. We are here to drop all our ideas about the past, about what's next, about productive activities, all the usual distractions and sit with an urgency born of desperation. Desperation because we have come to realize that all our halfway measures are just that, halfway, half-hearted. No band-aids. No temporary self-improvement projects can staunch the deep wounds of suffering. So we must look within bravely and see the hodgepodge of our vain attempts to cover over long-held fears, insecurities, aversions, preferences, sense of lack, cravings. We can no longer sink back into self-indulgence or willful ignorance. Why? Beings are awaiting our awakening as they would rain clouds in a time of drought. Today, I'm returning to the koan collection called the Iron Flute, which I haven't done since Daibosasu Zendo's anniversary session. 
this past summer. It was compiled in 1783 by Genro, the Japanese Soto master, with verses and comments. And his successor, Fugai, added illustrations and his own rather caustic, sardonic remarks. In 1939, Nyogen Senzaki began translating the collection and adding his own commentaries with the edited, editing, editing help of his disciple, Ruth Strout McCandless. And he continued working on it even during World War II when he was imprisoned in an internment camp at Heart Mountain, Wyoming. It was published three years after his passing. He died in 1958 and the book came out in 1961. So in today's case, case 89, we meet two well-known well masters of the ninth century in China. Seppo Gison, who lived from 822 to 908, and Gensha Seppo, most of you know from case 13 in the Gateless Barrier, the Mumonkan. Remember, Toksan carries his bowls. And you may know him also from five cases in the Blue Cliff collection, the Hekigan Roku, including grain of rice, turtle-nosed snake, and what is this? You may recall Seppo's brash words as a harried Tenzo at Toksan Zenji's monastery. And his pride at besting his teacher when he told his brother monk Ganto about their interaction. Although Ganto was younger than Seppo, he came to clear insight much earlier and tried his best to help Seppo, who was plagued by insecurity about his own efforts to awaken. An insecurity that, as we know, can often manifest as arrogance. Many of you know the famous story about their pilgrimage that was interrupted by a snowstorm and they took shelter in an inn and Seppo as usual, sat conscientiously, strongly in Zazen day and night, sparing no efforts. Ganto, on the other hand, spent the day
completely relaxed. The exemplar of what Rinzai termed Buji. Nothing to do. It's all done. But Seppo remonstrated with him. How can you sleep? How can you be so lazy? And then he opened up about his own uneasiness. His anxiety that his practice was insufficient and that he would never measure up. Some of us, some of us may have felt this way from time to time. And he told Gonto further about some early rather shallow experiences. And he quoted the sayings of several teachers that had affected him. Ganto said, haven't you heard that what comes in through the front gate is not the family jewels? In other words, what you receive through your eyes, what you read through your, your eyes, hear through your ears, that is not the front gate. That is not the family jewels coming through to you. That is what you are seeking after. And then Seppo asked Ganto, so what should I do? Ganto said, the great teaching must flow forth from your own heart. And at this, Seppo was at last awakened. His painstaking practice over all those long years came to fruition. And maybe because of that slow maturation, his insight was deep and his teaching was extremely thorough. More than 1,500 monks practiced under him when he finally came into his own. So I think this is a very good reminder for us all Perhaps you have not yet broken through that last veil that has obscured your clear insight. Keep, keep sitting, keep probing. There is no rush. When at last you do encounter your true self. The more slowly this maturation takes place, the more it will affect not only your own being, but those of all who come into your life. The contemporary teacher Shodo Hara commented, 
while awakening suddenly or quickly as Ganto did may seem like the better way to do it. Seppo had a meticulousness that reaped long lasting results. How about Gensha? He had been a fisherman until the age of 30 when he entered a Buddhist temple. And he maintained a severely ascetic practice, studying first with a Vinaya master precepts and later joining Seppo. He helped Seppo build and expand his monastery as all those monks discovered him. And he became one of Seppo's Dharma heirs. Gensha was said to have been illiterate, yet intuitively wise. This may remind you of a certain ancestor. Hmm? Can anyone say? Don't worry, I won't hear you. Yes. So once, as a story, once Gensha was on pilgrimage and he stumbled, he stumbled over a stone and badly stubbed his toes. Suffused with pain, he experienced a great awakening. You can try this now. All right. Okay. Good. Wonderful. Gensha, at that moment, cried out, Bodhidharma did not come to China. The second ancestor did not go to India. Free of all of that. No such ideas. One day, after becoming the abbot at Mount Gensha, the mountain from which he took his name as a Zen master, he entered the hall, but remained silent. The monks waited for him to expound the Dharma. After a while, they all got up to leave. Maybe another day he'll tell us. Gensha called out, you're all the same, not a single one with wisdom. You see my two lips here and you cluster around seeking to get meaning out of some words. When I bring it forth, none of you know it. Look.
So today's koan really shows this silent knowing beyond words. Just three lines beyond the iron flute commentators. A call and response between Seppo and Gensha. Seppo had entered the hall, just as in the story I just told you about Gensha, but remained silent. Instead of speaking, he took a wooden ball and rolled it down the floor. How befuddled the assembled monks must have been. Just as when Buddha held up a flower and no one got it except Mahakashapa, who broke into broad smile, a smile that has brought us here today. But maybe you are wondering too, what was that wooden ball doing there? You may ask yourself, what is this great earth doing here? The ball had been completely still. In fact, no one even knew it was there. Seppo picked it up and activated the whole universe. The ball rolled down the floor. In his comment, Fugai said, a curved cucumber, a curve ball, maybe, huh? A crooked cucumber taking on size, dimension, shape, Becoming all the 10,000 things. How would the monks respond? Could they? How are we responding to this day? This year. Well, Gensha went after the ball. I can see our big dog, Favor, going after the ball, grabbing it and chewing it vigorously. She would not have replaced it, but would have led us on a merry chase as she does every day with at least one of her 95 balls. 
Bagensha went after the ball, picked it up and placed it back on its stand. There it was once again, silently sitting still. Once again, a perfect sphere. And Fugai comments, a round melon. So we have Seppo's yes and Gensha's no, each beyond duality. Such an intimate relationship between teacher and disciple, between them and endless dimension, universal life. This ball. Seppo's letting go, Gensha's holding fast. All is revealed. And then Genro comments, Seppo began, but did not end. Gensha ended. But did not begin. That ball of Seppo's teaching continues to roll this way, that way. And Gensha he ended what was never born, what never dies. And then Genro says, both are incomplete. Of course, we can never finish this. Then Genro issues a challenge. Tell me, which way is better? Nyogen Senzaki answers, neither. No such conditional framework as any relevance. In his comment, Nyobin Senzaki tells of what happened to the Hekigon Roku, the Blue Cliff Record. Secho Juken, who lived from 980 to 1052, collected a hundred koans and wrote verses to them all. About a hundred years later, Engo Kokugon wrote introductions and commentaries. Why? It's said that he wanted to make the text 
more accessible. Giving some explanations and pointers. Of course, accessibility, particularly with intellectual comprehension and conceptualizing understanding as the goal. It's of no use in Zen, no use in our lives, in fact, and can actually create a great impediment to one's own realization. As Ganto said, what comes through the front gate is not the family treasure. So what happened? One of Engo's successors, someone named Dae Soko, great Zen master in his own right, burned the original text of the Hekegon Roku. A few hundred years later, another monk collected all the surviving manuscript copies he could find, which were not complete, and tried to restore the book. But in several koans, like the one today, there is no introduction by Engel, no verse by Secho. So then Senzaki in his comment, says this, the form that the teacher creates must be destroyed by the disciple in order to keep the teachings from becoming an empty shell. Western philosophers make up their theories and then followers continue to manipulate the outer structure until it no longer resembles the original. Therefore, we say, kill the Buddhas and ancestral teachers. Only then can you give them eternal life. And this is, of course, what we must do, even though we hear Teisho's, even though we read collections of cases and commentaries of all manner. We must destroy our dependence upon any, any words and phrases and find out for ourselves. Fugai offered beautiful poetic equivalent. When water flows in a bamboo forest, its color is green. When the wind blows through the flowers, each breath is fragrant. Of course, the water has no color of its own. 
that the bamboo forest is reflected and the water becomes green. The wind has no scent of its own, but blowing through the flowers, each breath is fragrant. Having nothing in the way, nothing painted on the water, nothing painted on the wind. We experience each as it is, reflecting whatever is around it and inhaling the fragrance of the breeze that caresses that beautiful bed of flowers. Then Genro's verse, in the first line, he speaks of holding fast and letting go. He says, hold it or let it go. That ball, hold the ball, let the ball go. Then hold it again, then release it again appropriate to the circumstances, we give this away. Appropriate to the circumstances, we reflect colors, inhale fragrances. Fugai comments to the first line of Genro's verse, hold it or let it go. No more, no less. This is as it is. You are as you are. Then Genro's next line, teacher and disciple contradict each other. And Fugai's comment to that is real congeniality. Each of them coming from his own true place, action, rolling that ball, non-action, setting it down. This understanding, this relationship, is truly what we mean by congeniality, mind to mind. Then Genro's next line is, Zen students of the world, here we all are, Zen students of the world, and Fugai breaks in and says, a real student never studies. What is it to become a real student? Not one who studies, right? Remember Ganto and Seppo at the inn. There is nothing out there to try to make your own. Studying all those words, however impressive they may be, cannot be but the finger pointing at the moon. Your own must come from your heart. 
your realized heart-mind. So as Dogen told us, Study the way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. And to discover oneself in every being, everywhere. Then, last line of Genro's verse, he says, do not make this koan a model. And Fugai says, a beautiful example. And you can take that both ways, example as in model, or you can see it as Fugai saying, not making this koan a model is a beautiful example of real student never studies. Just is through and through. In my naming Chikan Roshi, wisdom mirror. Mirror is sometimes translated as model or Example. He cannot do this for you, okay? As soon as you seek it from another, you are entangled. Be your own model. Be an example unto yourself. Atadipa. You are the light. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.